You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron and Jake hanging out on this Monday morning, reflecting on a memorable weekend. You want to get my Infinity War review? Sure. Now, you're going back and forth with Richie here about it, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. It was good. That's all I'll say. I'm not going to spoil anything. Go see it. Uh, one of the texts I got this weekend from you is, man, I love watching a movie in the afternoon. I told you it's underrated. It's awesome. Yeah. It's like the first time and the, probably the last time I'll get to do it. Yes, yeah. But, yeah. Um, no, it was cool. I had a free afternoon. I was like, you know what? I'm yeah. just going to go see Infinity War huh. by myself, and it was great. I didn't know you were by yourself. Yeah. yeah that's a little you wouldn't, you've never gone yes. to it? That was like the first time I went to see a movie by myself, and I enjoyed it. <laughs> well, it's, I will say, except like there was this lady that sat next to me, right next to me. Oh, so was it a crowded theater or not? Yes, at 1.15 in the afternoon. I mean, the movie made like millions and millions of dollars. But, uh, yeah, a crowded theater, this woman sits right next to me, and this movie. Who got the armrest? Oh, I, I had the armrest, buddy. <laughs> but uh, this movie is like a little more serious yeah. and this woman like laughed the whole time and i'm like this is not funny like people are dying <laughs> what's funny about people dying uh it was and then they had to talk through it i'm like oh sorry i don't do well in public yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had that conversation before the show yeah, i just don't do well in public <laughs> Uh, what's getting good reviews, or at least uh, if you're a Pels fan, or a Warriors fan, game one, what they did to the Pels winning that game, 123 to 101. We were asked the question, is there a fear now that this could go down, this series could end in four games? Yeah, you're going to get a lot of that talk, but I don't think so. I think I really do believe Rondo when he says that it was just a lapse in the second quarter and that that's correctable. I don't. Know. I think they'll go back down 2-0. I just think it's so hard to win at Golden State, yeah. and when they get rolling, man, it's 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 like, what can you do? How do you stop this team? And I, I'm hoping that they'll return home. You know, still have, uh, still be very much into it, and that the crowd will, they can feed off the crowd in New Orleans, and that that crowd can kind of will them to a victory and get them back into the series. Mm. But yeah, it's it's not looking great right now. Um, but I think it was just one of those off games. I look at it that way, too, because the Pelicans have played so well for so long that it's been a while since we've seen them really mess it up and really murk it up with their uh, lackadaisical defensive play. It's been a really long time since we saw that specifically. Mm. So because of that, I think uh, I, I think I'll, I'll take that as, a, as an off game and assume that the Pelicans will be able to get back into it in game three. I'm not putting my money down on game two, but game three. Uh, game two, uh, Tuesday night, be another uh, late night uh, against uh, Golden State. You can watch that game on TNT. I believe that's – is that another 9.30 tip? Yeah, uh, 9.30, yep. So be prepared to stay up late. And in case you missed it uh, yesterday in the NBA postseason, uh, Cleveland does win, of course, uh, that series. Big night from LeBron. And, of course, Houston is now up one to nothing on Utah. Yeah, and LeBron, you know, it was kind of what you expected. It's the same story, man. LeBron doesn't have any help. Didn't matter. He was Superman. He played just about the whole game. 
and ended up pulling it out for the Cavs. How much longer can he do it? That's the question everyone asks. I think they can get through another round. I think they can beat Toronto. But, man, when they run into the Sixers, I don't think it's going to happen. Mm. Uh, LeBron's stat line, 45 points, four steals, seven assists, nine rebounds. And you look at his field goal percentage, he was a 16 of 25 from the field. That's getting it done. That's getting it done. You're right. Kevin Love had 14 points. <laughs> Kevin Love. Five for 13. I'm just surprised he played. Uh, he had six rebounds. He's, he's been awful. Yeah. He's been so bad. Mm. Other storylines from this weekend. I thought you were going to hit us with the, the top ten. All right, uh, top ten moments from the NFL draft. I, I think you didn't like it uh, the first round, and we gave you a hard time. Ryan Shazier and, of course, uh, walking out on the stage. I did not. Hold on now. I did not that say. That still has to be one of the best moments, if not the best moment. <laughs> Yes, I did not say I didn't like that. My only point was felt bad for, uh, I think it was Terrell Edmonds that was picked on that spot. Mm. I felt bad for him mm. because he was overshadowed. He was overshadowed. That's all I said. Mm. I think it was a great moment. I think it was still the best moment mm. of the draft. Like seeing him walk was incredible. I'm not taking away from that. I'm just saying if you're Terrell Edmonds, you, not Terrell Edmonds, if you're a family member or a friend of his and you're like watching it on TV and you're looking forward to them talking about Terrell Edmonds, you're a little bit disappointed because so much of the talk is about Chase here, right? This is when so. Jake is starting to backpedal. No, I said that <laughs> Friday, but y'all are like, oh, hold on, Jake, hold on. I was like, let me finish my statement. Uh, Shaquem Griffin going to the 141st pick to Seattle. That was good stuff. Uh, the moment, of course, uh, that Cowboy uh, offensive tackle, Connor Williams being there, uh, a Texan, and, of course, getting picked by the Cowboys. That was pretty special in the second round. Uh, I think when you go back and you look at this draft, though, it's all going to be about the quarterbacks. And you look at, uh, of course, five quarterbacks going in the first round. Who will be the bust? Hmm. Who will be the all-pro or all-pros out of this group? Give me your prediction. Who's the bust? Uh, Mayfield. Oh, yeah. what? Just Mayfield. Yeah. Uh, give me another one. Uh, Josh Allen. Okay, Josh Allen's where I was going. Yeah. It almost seems too obvious, though. Hmm. It almost seems like, you know, one of those obvious answers that turns out to be wrong. But I'll still say Josh Allen. Who's Baker. the most successful of the five? Who's the most successful? Uh, Baker. Baker's going to be – Cleveland's going to turn it around. All right, how many wins are they going to have next year? Hmm. I haven't really looked at the schedule, but – they get at least four. That's why you should have been watching the schedule. They get at least, least. They get at least four. Yeah. How about that? That's kind of bold for Cleveland, right? Yeah. Give them four. All right. Well, they were close last year, number of games. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But I'll, I'm not talking about, you know, when you're looking at next year, that doesn't define yeah. Baker's career. Yes. I'm talking about in time, whether he stays with Cleveland or not, he's going to he's going to have a good career. I'll say that. Rose in a bust? That's the hardest one to predict for me. Talent-wise, no. Like, talent-wise, I think he can succeed. But does he care enough? Like, I know that's silly, and I know that's hard to judge and, and really have an opinion on because only one person knows. But there's something to be said about the comments that Jim Moore made. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I keep going back to those comments, and I keep going back to it. Look, there's no doubt. Nobody doubts his talent. If you doubt his talent, I don't think you know football. Mm. Like, just looking at him talent-wise, yeah, this guy has it. But does he have that killer instinct? Um, does he have that drive to put in more work than everybody else? Because that's what the quarterback usually does. You know, you think about Drew Brees and 
you know, how, how much time he puts in. Think about Brady. All the greats, they put in more time than everybody else. Will Rosen do that? Mm. That's my question. Um, I don't know. I, I, it could go either way. Wh- wh- which way are you leaning? No, bust. Bust? You sound pretty confident yeah. in that. You go back and you look at the, the things you're going to remember, and you're going to remember the quarterbacks of this draft. But it also it seems like this yearly thing now and how disliked Roger Goodell is by fans. It doesn't matter what fan base. And, of course, Cowboy fans have a lot of uh, oh, yeah. hatred directed at them. And what they tried to do at the beginning of the draft to kind of sway the fans and how it backfired uh, still shows I was you. glad they still booed the, the crap out of him with, with Stahlback. Uh, so some NFL PR said, hey, if we put Witten out there, we put Aikman, and we put Roger Stahlback with Roger Goodell, there's no way that they boo the commissioner. <laughs> wrong. Yeah. Very much wrong. And then, of course, the story uh, late in the draft, uh, you're watching the things playing out, and you see the Australian football player by the name of Jordan Malati. And you find out he's six foot eight, three hundred and forty five pounds, has never set foot on a football field, has been training at IMG Academy though to get ready for this draft. And the Philadelphia Eagles with uh first Doug Peterson roll the dice on the six foot eight, three hundred and forty five pounder, and you're thinking, All right, maybe he's got a little bit of mobility and then you see the footage of him running down the rugby field. I mean, we just talked about it. It looked like a comic book character out there just running over people. If you haven't seen it, you need to go on YouTube and check him out. It's good stuff. It's unreal. (laughs) It is. It might be my favorite pick of the draft, honestly. Uh, The other major storyline from the weekend, we have four state champions from Northeast Louisiana, Washita, Caldwell, Cedar Creek, and Oak Grove all coming home with titles. Baseball playoffs continue to roll along. Some big matchups coming up uh, later this week. We'll break them down for you. 888-993-7762. 888-993-7762. Uh, the Pelicans' money line looked too good. Plus 400 had to take it, but I still believe in them. That coming from Todd. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're not going to get swept. I'll just say that. That's all I'll say today. They won't get swept. Does the series go 2-3-2 two, two, or is it 2-2-1-1-1? Two, 2-2-1-1-1, two, one, one, one? I believe. Yeah. All right. 888-993-7762. Let's take a timeout. Coming up next, we'll talk a little uh, college baseball and eventful weekend, including just an incredible game between ULM and Coastal Carolina. Unfortunately, the Warhawks lose a squeaker 17-16. to The voice of the Warhawks, Nick White, will join us after the break. Then coming up at 8.30, we look forward to catching up with the newest Saint, Boston Scott, will join us on the show. We're back after this. Uh, good morning, guys. How are you all? Oh, we are fantastic. We've got a lot of things we want to pick your brain about, but I want to start, of course. Uh, I see the score yesterday from the ULM game with Coastal Ooh. Carolina. Wow. Uh, lose by an extra point, 17-16. to 16. This had to be an incredible game to watch and a, a wonderful game to call. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, I don't know. <laughs> it was till, till the till two outs in the bottom of the ninth inning, and Seth Lancaster, it's a two-run no-doubter over the – the right field wall. Um, now, now, yes, it was, but oh, and I got to tell you, now, I, I had a flight, and so, oh. you know, I'm sitting here, and, and I'm thinking, okay, we're playing this game at 11, all right? I book a flight at 545 out of Myrtle Beach. That's six mm-hmm. hours and 45 minutes. You're, no way. There's not going to be any problems, right? Mm-hmm. Guys, I mean, I'm, I'm making it right as they're closing the, the door. I mean, I'm sitting there because it's not, it's not an easy, you know, it's about a 30-minute drive, and the traffic was terrible there. So 
I'm sitting there, you know, <laughs> that game's going on. If it went extra innings, I'm, I'm, I'm missing my flight. There's no doubt about that. But all, all that being said, um, maybe the craziest baseball game I've ever called, and you know, from a, from a high school and college perspective. I mean, you, you just look at the the numbers there, and um, just the things that happened there. I mean, we had um, we had grand slams over over a twenty foot center center field wall um only this the, the sixth ever home run in the history of that stadium by Braden barrett a third grand slam over that wall um i mean hit batters for for rbis walks for rbis I mean, drop drop fly balls uh you know a pitcher came in for coastal carolina in the middle of an at bat through one pitch and struck out literally with a two-two count. Came in through one pitch, struck out Peyton Lacoste, and got the win in that ball game yesterday. Um, just crazy. Now uh, you feel so bad for for Coach Fed and, and for that team for ULM because they're reeling right now. I mean, they, they've lost now ten of their last eleven. Uh, they're one and eight in their last nine Sun Belt Conference games. Uh, they've they've gotten swept in the last and two of their last three Sun Belt series. Uh, so this is a team that's searching, and, and boy, how big would that have been to to battle back and and knock off the number 16 team in the country in Coastal Carolina? And you know there aren't any moral victories, and um, you know it's it's going to be tough to see how they they bounce back. And uh, but I mean, just a wild, crazy ball game, 17 to 16, five hours all told, and it only went nine innings. That's uh, at the airport. I'm sitting there telling them, you know, I barely made it here. Oh, to go extra innings? No, it was nine innings. Um, five hours. I'm sitting there just making it, but uh, tough for them. Now they, you know, they're they're still in route uh, from that trip, having busing uh, out there from Conway, and um, so they they'll be back, and uh, hopefully we'll try to get back going with seven at home uh, to close out the home portion of their schedule, and uh, try to get back on track against Grambling tomorrow night. Yeah, and the Grambling squad, of course, the Tigers got the best of them earlier this year, so uh, ULM will be out for a little revenge come tomorrow night. Oh, no doubt. And, and look, let me, let me also make a statement about Coastal Carolina. That, that is an unbelievable facility that they've gotten out there. Great team. Um, you know, I was really disappointed, you know, for, for as good of a program and as good of a facility. And they averaged 1,300 on the weekend, but that's it. And, you know, that, that was, I thought, was disappointing. You know, a program that good, and that's all they're drawing. Um, that, that, to me, is kind of, you know, was kind of disappointing. But a first-class program, and, uh, what a great addition to the league, uh, and what a great, great destination. You know, that's where the conference tournament will be next year, and I have no doubt in my mind that, that Coach Fed and the Warhawks will, will not only be there, but but they'll be in, in the upper half. And uh, so I, I think Warhawk fans need to go on and start making their plans right now and uh, start looking at some great resorts there in Myrtle Beach. I've got a recommendation that people want to hit me up of where I stayed and. Uh, uh, make plans to go out to Myrtle Beach next year for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. You won't regret it. All right. This year's postseason tournament, of course, that was the ultimate goal for this team to make that tournament. Well, with three conference series left, what does it look like? They stand right now as, as the number 10 seed. Okay. They have they, – they, and they didn't get a whole lot of help this weekend. Uh, Arkansas State, surprisingly, uh, went down to Mobile and actually took two of three from South Alabama. So – uh, the Warhawks have a one-game advantage over Arkansas State for the 10 seed, plus they have a tiebreaker over the Red Wolves. So they essentially have a two-game edge over the Red Wolves with nine to play. 
But this weekend series is huge because they are also just a half game back of Georgia State for the nine seed. Um, so, I mean, you, you do the math. I mean, you take the series this weekend, and uh, you can get a game and a half up on, on Georgia State with, uh, you know, with, with uh, what, six to play, and you put yourself in, in pretty good position there, you know, the rest of the way. You drop the series, and you're probably going to need some help. So, uh, and they know that. You know, Coach Fett addressed that in his postgame interview uh, yesterday. Uh, they understand what's ahead of them, and uh, they, they know how big uh, this weekend is with uh, Georgia State coming in there. Uh, their goal was to try to be in the top six and not have to be in the play-in portion of the Sun Belt Tournament. That looks uh, highly unlikely. Now they're just trying to find a way to get in there. You know, I try to, uh, I try to bring some perspective. This program has only been in the conference tournament twice in this decade, whenever you really think about that. And they haven't been since 2014. So uh, just to get to it uh, would be a, a high accomplishment for Coach Bed in his first year, no doubt. All right, Nick, I, I want to get your opinion on a little bit on the draft. Just, uh, you know, the news coming down last week, several reports that Jason Witten was retiring, was pursuing some broadcasting deals. He met with the Cowboys. Now they're going back and forth, and it sounds like he's still mulling his decision. Big picture, what will this mean for the Cowboys if they lose a future Hall of Famer tight end in Witten? Uh, it means more for the locker room than I think it does on the field. Now, i got to tell you, you know, I, I put Jason Witten up there as probably, you know, my, my top three as far as, you know, in my generation of Cowboys. I put him up there with Aikman, Emmett, and, and, and Jason Witten. And it's not just because of the, the player that he is. He's been outstanding on the field, but – if you know about his story, and, and if you haven't watched his E60, uh, I, I suggest you go and watch it. If you just know his story and and what he came from, I mean, if we're talking about what a human being, you know, when we talk about coming from a tough situation and, you know, the story of his mother and, and, and being, you know, beaten and, and abused and, and his grandfather helping to step in and raise him and now – you know, the human being that he is off the field and, and the class individual has been the Walter Payton man of the year. It seems like he's the, the nominee and, and a finalist for it every year as well. And 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 then what he's been on the field and, and, and a tough guy. I mean, he played with a broken jaw. I think he's missed only one game in his entire career. Um, this one hit me. I mean, I, whenever I got the news, you know, I saw it Friday, and I guess it's still not official yet. Uh, you know, there's kind of a pit in my stomach. I was like, oh, but but also, you know, these opportunities to, to get, you know, what, what he's apparently being being sought out for, uh, they don't come around very often. And, um, you know, may, may, he's got to look at the big picture of things and sit here, hey, I've done it 15 years. Um, how, how high of a level can I play? Yeah, I want to win a Super Bowl. Will this happen this year? Uh, I don't know. This opportunity may not come around again. So, um I get it from that perspective. Uh, what I like to see him play, selfishly, yeah. But uh, you know, a guy with, with two kids, myself, uh, you know, understands that uh, I, I get it if he does walk away. So um, this this one would hurt. It would sting. But uh, I think he would kill it uh, if uh, he gets that opportunity to get into the booth there. But uh, that one was uh, was pretty surprising to me, no doubt. So it hit me pretty hard. Uh-huh. We played the clip uh, earlier on uh, Acres, of course, uh, trolling the Cowboys fans, and then we talked about the fact, you know, uh, Roger Goodell comes out and gets booed by the fans pretty hard with Aikman and, of course, Witt and Ann Staubach all being on the stage. 
Uh, overall, how did you think it played out with this uh, festivities in Big D? Who's David Akers? Yeah. Kicker. Uh, who? Philadelphia. Yeah, exactly. Who? Yeah, I mean, come on, dude. I mean, you, you finally have a little success. Hey, here's all you need to know. Go, go look. Uh, Pat uh, Boney, I believe, NBC5, he tweeted out a, um, a, 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 a little video of Jason Witten walking off the field at uh, Lincoln Financial uh, there this past January. And, and it was Jason walking off the field, and he saw him. He, he's got a son with a significant disorder, and he, he made a significant step in his life. And Jason stopped, but but just pull up the video and then turn up the volume and, and listen to the Philly fans in the background. Now, warning: there's there's significant vulgarities in the background. Yeah, get get off my stage, Philly. I got I got nothing for you. Okay, so um, you know whatever, whatever, David Akers, who, whoever you are, but. Um, you know, uh, the draft there, I only got to watch Thursday. I was I was busy uh, Friday and Saturday, so I didn't get to watch a lot of it. But it looked like it went off great. The ratings were through the roof. There's still something to be said, and Aaron, you know this, there's still something to be said about the power of the networks. And, um, you know, ESPN switched it over to ABC, as I understood, stood on a Saturday to try to get a little bit of that ratings pie and uh, best ratings ever for the draft. And, uh you know, I think everything they're trying to switch a lot of these things to cable and some of these, you know, these finals and different things like that. But uh, networks are still powerful, and uh, you got to put it there. But uh, looks like it went off great, and uh, you know, Goodell's not liked, but uh, the owners love him, and he's making him a lot of money, so he's going to stick around, and uh, it is what it is. And he's making a nice little paycheck too. Thank you, Nick. Yeah, but that's uh, what CEOs make, guys. People make a big deal about Goodell and what he makes. That's what CEOs make whenever they run corporations. Multi-billion dollar corporations. I don't have a problem with what he makes. Not a lot of people do, but I don't. That's what CEOs make whenever they run multi-billion dollar corporations. Coach Fed going to be back in time for your show later today? Uh, not today. We're, we're actually going to move it to tomorrow because of their, their travel uh, schedule. So uh, Hog Talk will actually be tomorrow at 11 at Portico on Tower Drive in Monroe. So uh, switch for this week uh, will be tomorrow at 11 for uh, Hog Talk. Thank you, Nick White. All right, guys, thanks. Voice of the Warhawks, Nicholas White. Uh, ratings. ESPN does end up beating Fox and NFL Network. Herb Street effect. Oh. <laughs> Give it all to Herb Street. What were the ratings? You got numbers? Uh, yeah, just... here you go. Oh, this is Thursday night. Uh, ESPN had 5.3 million viewers. Fox, 3.7. NFL Network had just over 2 million viewers. So Fox did have something. Huh. I I was I you know we knew going in that they that they would but then I just didn't hear anything previous to it and I didn't even think to flip over there. Do we know who was even on there? Oh, is it simulcast? The same thing that the NFL Network. Ah, uh, see, yeah. gotcha. Same crew. Gotcha, gotcha. Threw Aikman in there. Mm. Gotcha. Eight 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 nine nine three seven seven six two. You can weigh in. Coming up uh, in the final thirty minutes, our parting shots plus. The newest saint, Boston Scott, joins us after the break, the former Louisiana Tech standout. That's coming up next on The Morning Drive. Welcome back to the show. The Morning Drive on Sports Talk 97.7. Eventful weekend for a number of area college stars hearing that phone ring and, of course, an opportunity to chase after their NFL dreams, one of them being from Louisiana Tech, Boston Scott. He won't have to go very far as he is the newest member of New Orleans Saints, selected in the sixth round by the Saints, the 201st overall pick. 
Boston Scott joins us on the Stuart Shelby Hotline. Boston, how you doing this morning, bud? Doing great. How about you? Thank you for having Good. me. Well, first of all, congratulations. When uh, somebody now says New Orleans Saint, Boston Scott, how does that sound? Oh, man, it sounds, it sounds like a dream. You know, um, I grew up watching the Saints. My mom is a huge Saints fan. You know, that's, that's all I really watched uh, growing up. You know, now I've always liked watching college football and, and everything like that. But, you know, it's always been if there's an NFL game on, you know, we were watching the Saints. So it's really a dream come true. All right, let's walk you through the process, Boston. Uh, of course, you finish up your career at Louisiana Tech, you win another bowl game, and then you start getting ready for, of course, uh, Pro Day. What was that process like? And then, of course, how nervous you were heading into Pro Day, your opportunity to kind of turn some heads. You know, a lot of people ask me how nervous I was going into Pro Day, man. It's, um, I would say, if anything, it was just excitement. Um, Coach Hester did a great job of preparing me um, with, you know, all the drills that we went through, uh, Coach Ball did a great job of preparing me throughout the season with, you know, my, my IQ on the football field. So uh, going into that uh, pro day, you know, a lot of things uh, weren't as, I don't know, I guess the the situation wasn't as nerve-wracking uh, as I thought it would be just because of uh, my preparation leading up to that point. You know, I think that a lot of that nervousness, or, you know, doubt comes from a lack of preparation. So I think I did a, a, a pretty good job of doing that, leading the pro day, and it showed on that day. You know, I was able to relax. I was able to go out there and just have fun. I know you have a unique relationship with Coach Hester. How is he able to push the right buttons with you? Um, You know, <laughs> he, he's, a, he's a heck of a guy. Uh, he, he's definitely done a, just, a, just a great job with, with me. Um, as coming in as a freshman, you know, he, he would always push me in the weight room, uh, always pushed me in the right way. Um, you know, he, he knew what my body needed. Uh, he knew what it, what it would take for me to excel. And I'm just, I'm just thankful for, for him and what he's done for me and, uh, what he's done with my body and, uh, giving me the opportunity to, to really separate myself from a physical standpoint, you know, from the rest of the opposition. And man, I'm just, he, he knows how to get it out of you. You raised a lot of eyebrows at the pro day. What was some of the feedback you received then as you went into the draft? Um, you mean from like uh, scouts? Correct. Uh, well, you know, I, I spoke with uh, the Jets there, the Rams, the, the Saints there. But uh, it's funny because I spoke with the Saints briefly uh, as opposed to like the Jets. Uh, I went and met with the Raiders, um, you know, but just teams, you know, cracking jokes with me. I'll crack jokes back and. You know, we just go through. Um, I just go through the drills, man. It's just, I mean, it, it, it was a cool opportunity. It was a cool, um, cool outcome just to see uh, the scouts that were uh, having that interest in me. Uh, but you know, I knew that you know I was just going to keep working. I wasn't going to change any of my mindset. You know, because I my, my mind is focused on getting to that rookie mini camp, uh, getting to a camp with somebody. It doesn't matter who it is, but you know just being ready for that opportunity. Boston Scott, you wake up Saturday morning. You got a feeling it's going to be a, a special day. How does it play out, and and what was that day like, I guess, when you were waiting for that phone to ring? Uh, you know, I was just doing my best to, to stay away from it. You know, my birthday was on uh, this past Friday, so I was going to spend time with my family. You know, I, I truly believe that I was going somewhere. Uh, I knew that I was going to be a part of someone's camp. I just didn't know where or when that would be. 
Uh, but like I said, I had done everything um, to the best of my ability. I did everything to prepare. Uh, I laid it all out there at pro day, you know, and I surrendered to the outcome. You know, whatever, wherever the cards, cards may fall, you know, that's, that's what I was going to roll with. And it's truly a blessing that, you know, the Saints um, decided to take me in the sixth round. That's, that's huge for me. Um, you know, it motivates me, and I'm just going to work that much harder. All right, the phone rings. Walk us what it sounds like and, and who you're talking to. Man, it, it's it's crazy because we were um, – uh, my birthday was on Friday, but uh, Saturday we were going to get together as uh, a family. Me and my fiance's family were going to get together and uh, go eat. So we went and eat. We went and ate, uh, sat there for about, you know, an hour and a half, two hours, and then we leave. So everybody goes their uh, parts ways and goes their different ways. And we're in the car and we pass by a store. And it's like, I don't know, it, it was maybe 20 minutes after I'd left with all my family being there that, you know, I got the 504 uh, phone call. And I knew automatically what was about to happen. And uh, my heart started beating. My fiance, she's already, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> and, you know, I get, I get the call from uh, Coach Payton and, and everybody from the Saints organization saying they're going to take me in the sixth round. And it's just, man, I just don't even – it's just amazing. It's an amazing feeling. Growing up in Baton Rouge, uh, I guess who is your favorite Saint player of all time? <laughs> favorite Saint player of all time? Hmm. I would have to say probably Darren Sproles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, just to just to have people even uh, comparing me to to his game and his amount of productivity and his. You know his impact on that team and that locker room and the in the New Orleans community is just it's very humbling and uh, I can't wait to to get down there and start my own legacy. Uh, of course, I know you know what that running backs room will be like for the Saints. What's it going to take for you to leave your mark and of course get on this team? I mean, it, just just like it is for for all through uh, your career as a football player. I mean, it starts with special teams. Uh, you know, all the spotlight is on the main, the primary positions on offense and on defense, uh, but you can definitely change the momentum of a game in special teams, and I believe that I, I bring a lot to the table as a returner, uh, and I have the ability to do those things, so that's what I'm that's what I'm looking to do. Uh, I know that they have Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, who are two, you know, productive backs, uh, 1,500 yards over the past uh, season. I mean, it's, that's just... That's a lot of productivity, but I'm looking to come in. I'm looking to compete like I always have. You know, I've seen, you know, greatness in front of me, and I, and it's going to be good to have that in front of me and, and good to, to uh, be uh, underneath them and be able to learn from them. But I'm also going to push them, you know. So I'm looking to compete, and I'm looking to make my mark on special teams as a returner or however they need me. Boston has been a, a remarkable run. A lot of people forget, of course, you get drafted by the Saints, but you started your career coming out of Zachary. You're highly successful, but you were a walk-on at Louisiana Tech. You look back at now the journey. Uh, does it still surprise you a little bit about how you've gone up the charts and now left your mark? Uh, not necessarily surprise me, but, you know, it, it's definitely a learning experience, a learning curve. You know, a lot of it. Uh, one of the biggest things that I say I took from it was one, my, my faith in Jesus Christ, but also um, just that, you know, it's not about how many opportunities that you get, it's what you make of those opportunities. And that's been the case for me being an undersized guy, a guy that's flown under the radar, a guy that, you know, has been overlooked. You know, I'm not going to get as many opportunities 
um, as say someone that fits the fits the the status quo, you know. But the opportunities that I have gotten, you know, I've learned to make the most of those opportunities, and it, it translates into the pros because that's that's what it is. You are now, you know, college. We say it's a business, but you are now officially this is a business, you know. And if you're not making the most of your opportunities, you're gone. No matter if you're drafted, no matter if you're free agent, tryout. That's that's what it is. It's business now. And so with me being a walk-on and knowing what it means to to uh, have that work ethic, have that drive, have that uh, motivation, that self-motivation, you know, I think it's going to carry me a long way. And I've been, you know, I've been practicing these things since since I got there. And I think that it's really going to help me as I become a pro, you know, because I've been, I've been practicing those pro things before I become a pro so that when I get there and I'm here now, it's all just going to be second nature. Boston, you told us the story about how you learned, of course, uh, getting drafted and getting that call from uh, Sean Payton. What was the moment like then when you turned around and called your family members and told them it, what had just taken place? Man, I, I was doing a pretty good job. I got I got kind of close to crying whenever my fiance started crying. But what, what really did it for me and what, everything that um, I've gone through with my mom and uh, her taking care of me, my older brother, and my younger sister, um, I called her. And, um, you know, we were talking for a little bit and I could, I could definitely hear the emotion in her voice and she had to get off the phone because she, she was about to start crying. And that's where, that's where the tears, the tears flow for about a good 5.2 seconds. And then I was, I had to get it back together because the media was calling me, but that, that was the biggest, that was the biggest, uh, heart jerker for me. But I mean, as far as family, friends, community, man, my phone did not stop, stop buzzing until probably about 10 30 11 o'clock at night yeah. boston scott uh, <laughs> a former walk-on at louisiana tech you're in a scholarship you end up with over 1800 yards rushing and 14 touchdowns in your career at louisiana tech what did the bulldogs program mean to you oh man i, I just want to thank coach holson and that whole coaching staff uh just for giving me a chance giving me an opportunity uh, i know that i went through some injuries uh in my time there and you know, they, they, they've continued to believe in me, and uh, I'm just very thankful for that, very thankful for, you know, all everything that I've gone through there, you know, with, with FCA and, and uh, Les Geis, uh, the president of Louisiana Tech, and the impact that he's had on campus and just giving me uh, the, the best academic opportunity to, to get out there and strive to be the best that I can be, uh, to graduate, to, to put it. I mean, I'm, I'm just thankful for the quarter system, too. I mean, it's, it's fast-paced. Just a lot of things that Louisiana Tech has to offer, you know, has shaped and molded me into the man that I am today. Uh, and I'm just so thankful for, you know, the coaching staff and Louisiana Tech. Uh, I'll forever be a Bulldog. Boston Scott, congratulations. The newest member of the New Orleans Saints. Thank you, bud. Thank you. Tell you what, if you weren't a fan of Boston Scott before, I think you are now. Well-spoken mm. young man. And – he couldn't have said any better talking about Kamara and Ingram, saying that he's looking forward to learning from them, but also pushing them. Mm. Good stuff. Uh, Montreal Meander, Meander, of course, uh, signs with the the Browns, a former Grambling star. He will join uh, Santoria tonight on Sports Beat. You look at the number of players with ties to this area that uh, do sign rookie free agent deals, including Martez Carter, former Richwood Grambling standout. You heard from him on the show last week. He uh, inks a deal with the Redskins. Josh Outlaw, 
uh, former of Louisiana of Louisiana Tech with the Colts. John Diars, the former Neville standout, he gets a deal with the Broncos. J.D. Moore, formerly of Ruston, with the Chiefs. K.J. Malone with the Texans. Cam Sims, the former Washtaw product, with the Cincinnati Bengals. Gerald Kraft with the Steelers. Uh, Trent Scott, formerly of Grambling, uh, signs a deal with the Chargers. And I may have missed another one or two, but uh, I think that's it. Yeah. Devonta Kincaid, we have yeah, yet to hear where he's Still going. waiting on him and Jonathan, Jonathan Barnes. Barnes. Yes. 888-993-7762. Let's take a timeout. Coming up next, our parting shots on the morning drive. Jake, you love Monday's shows, don't you? Yeah, I do like Monday's shows. I want to hear a little story from uh, your weekend. I know you had a big photo shoot. You were going to get a glamour shot this weekend. How'd that turn out? Uh, well, it, it turned out okay, I guess. We, we were doing maternity photos. Uh-huh. So I had to wake up. I had a little bit more enthusiasm well, pep in your voice. I mean, <laughs> I had to wake up at, at 4 o'clock. My wife woke up at 3 o'clock. We were doing sunrise photos. Huh. So you can imagine how much rest I got. And then, like, I mean, I did get a nap in that day, but, you know, uh, Pelicans play at 9.30 that night. You're just like, oh. And then I was I went to bed in the third quarter. Right, so what was the backdrop? I mean, what was the? Oh, uh, we went out to uh, the lake. and. Uh, Did you have a good attitude? Why are we talking about Cause this? Because I think it's fascinating. You get up at 4 o'clock for a photo shoot. Did you have a good attitude, or were you grumpy at 4 o'clock in the morning? I had a good attitude, yeah. I, I think I did. As good as it could have been. I didn't complain too much. I got a few complaints in because I'm a, I'm a complainer. <laughs> but I kept them minimum. Nice. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing these pictures. Okay, stop. <laughs> Can we talk about something yes. else? Like Avengers Infinity War? <laughs> so uh, we, a story that you and I were both fascinated in yeah. was the fact that someone opened their big mouth. Yeah. So a, a talk show host, basically, you want to say something outlandish, right? And you want to make bold predictions, correct? Correct. So who, who's this guy in Cleveland, correct? Yeah, Cleveland uh, host. I'm trying to get his name. Mm. Anyway, he said that if Baker Mayfield is selected number one overall, his name is uh, Aaron Mar- Goldhammer. Yeah, good name, Goldhammer. <laughs> <laughs> um, he said that if he was the number one overall pick, that he would eat poop live on air. And does anybody really want to see that? Nobody. Well, I won't say nobody, but most people don't want to see that. Ah. Um, but he's going to live up to his word, actually, and they're going to eat some horse manure <laughs> on air. How disgusting. <laughs> so it got me thinking, Uh-oh. I haven't ever done anything like that where I've, I've went out on a ledge and said something and had to come back and eat my words. But my dad has mm. um, nothing to that extreme. But he's done twice. He's he's done. He, he's a sports writer. Uh, been a sports writer for a very long time. And once uh, before he actually married my mom, he said that he would get his head shaved if um, if if a South Natchez team won the state championship mm-hmm. and they ended up winning the state championship. So he got a buzz cut like a week before his wedding. Mm-hmm. My mom loved that. And uh, didn't Larry Holder or Jeff Duncan one of them do it to the Saints this past year if they would win ten games? I did they? So. Yeah, one of them did. Mm. Well, and the other one was he said if anybody in this in the area went undefeated in the regular season, he would sit on top of the school roof all day. Nice. And he ended up doing that. And then he he was. And then like the 
it started lightning and <laughs> the principal kind of said, you need to get down. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so he's he's done that twice. I haven't ever done that because I've learned from him, yeah. learned from his mistakes. Who was the squad down there that went undefeated? I, don't, was I think it was, uh, no, it was like Adams County Christian School. Huh. But uh, I think that was it. Huh. But anyway. I, it made me think back to that, but he didn't go as far as he didn't say he would eat. He didn't say he would eat poop. No, right. which uh, hopefully nobody does that after what this. Why? Why even say that? And I'm assuming I didn't read the full story. I'm assuming he said this weeks ago. He couldn't have said it right. recently because of the, all the talk about Baker going number one. Hmm. Unless he's just really craving attention. He's getting it, but not for the right reasons. He's one of those shock jocks. And now, of course, the, what he's getting from it, people it's, are talking about across. Favorite, uh, people are talking about across the country, right? They are. I mean, we're talking about yeah. it, but still, I, I don't care. I don't care if everyone knew my name and talked about me around the country if I had to eat poop, <laughs> and if they knew me for eating poop. Uh, they will. Uh, they're working on doing it sometime next week. Uh, the station has to go about the process of acquiring some horse duty. So, is it like just a bite? Just a. Uh, I don't know. Ugh. Maybe they get Baker Mayfield involved somehow with it, though. Yeah. yeah. The least Baker could do, yeah. right? So that's what you delivered for your parting shot. Yeah, it's quite a parting shot. <laughs> uh, overall, uh, the draft was certainly fun to watch. And we talked about a little bit in the 7 o'clock hour. And you look back at what's going to be remembered for LSU and this draft class. Because coming into this thing, I mean, you look back at last year, the year before, and you look at Arden Key and Darius Geis and how far both of those basically fell in this yeah. year's draft. Extremely disappointed, especially if you're their accountant. Especially if you're their accountant, yes. Or their agents. Um, so it's it's just weird. Like, Key, we expected. What would have been a bigger surprise going into – Maybe not last year, but let's go next spring. If somebody would have said, hey, Arden Key will be a, a third rounder, and Geis will drop in the, what, he ended up in the second round, and Danny Etling will get drafted. Of those three, what's, yeah. oh, man. I think Arden Key okay. dropping that far. So if you go a year ago, yeah. you go I before say he, Key. You go before he leaves the team. Yeah, I say Key. You go in the spring, like when he was left, when he had left, I would probably say Edling. <laughs> that was shocking. <laughs> that was a stunner, man. Um, but yeah, the the whole whole thing with Key, we expected, and I actually thought he he landed pretty well. Mm -hmm. Going to the Raiders is gonna that's that's a big deal on that defense. And on of that course, defense, he's got an opportunity man. with him. Oh yes, I, I think you know, and, and and I again, I just think he's gonna benefit from having a guy like Khalil Mack right there in the same room with him every day you know that's a that's a great role model to have I know Khalil Mack's not that much older than him but still I mean everything that Mack has accomplished in the NFL already at his young age how can you not look up to mm -hmm. him so I think that's going to be a big help for him uh you you look at Darius Geis and it makes it makes sense because you know a lot of us looked at the Eagle like I, I well I'll say I did I looked at the Eagles on the first day of the draft and was like, this could be a great opportunity to get guys, you know, a, a player that could really help that team, you know, a team that really doesn't have any holes. Um, but, you know, you had a big time offensive weapon and guys, some, something else for Doug Peterson to, to play with. And they passed up and then Rappaport comes out and says that they, he actually got into a shouting match. I cannot imagine Doug Peterson and Darius guys getting into shouting I match. I can't imagine guys getting into a shot. And maybe it, 
and again, this is only one person reporting it, so take that with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. But if this turns out to be true, it's hard to imagine guys just getting unless like he, he because he was tardy, that really upset team members and they said something to him and then he fires back. I don't know. It's just it's very odd and it's very strange and I think that's you said it best. This whole draft for the LSU was was very weird mm. from top to bottom. Uh, Bob uh, makes a reference to Arden Key, of course, being in Oakland. Says Californian legal weed spells trouble. Yeah, and then of course they'll end up going to Vegas. And, mm-hmm. But you also, do look at LSU and DJ Shark, Russell Gage, two guys that had moderate success at the college ranks. They do get drafted. More LSU wide receivers. Shark, we definitely expected because of how well he did in those workouts. Like, he really showed out. And Gage, I think the pro day, LSU pro day, Gage really had a good pro day. I think that's what got him drafted. Um, so, I'm, I'm not shocked that both of them got drafted, but that's that's part of it. LSU gets LSU gets great skill players, and, the, and it's just because of the location. You look at our all of our schools, they all have good – Skill players, Tech, Grambling, ULM, LSU. Look at the skill players. You know, you can rattle off names from all all four of those schools and go, man. And that's just because of location. You know, there's so many athletes down south. But, uh, yeah, that's no surprise. Uh, I want to thank Tim Whitman for joining us, Stephen Farmer, Nick White, and, of course, the newest St. Boston Scott. Uh, It was a fun show for being a Monday. We will be back bright and early tomorrow morning with more. What do we got going up on Tuesdays? We got Gus Cattengale, of course, from ESPN New Orleans to break down the Saints draft. Plus, Lane Burles will join us for his weekly visit. The Bulldogs coming off another impressive road series victory against Western Kentucky. Yes, they're sixth with a couple of big ones coming up on the horizon. And I believe they do not have a midweek game this week, too. So, an opportunity to kind of get rusted up and get focused. Maybe move Hey, another talking point for us. Uh, Timothy weighs in right before we go off, says, I thought the Eagles came out and said there was no incident with guys. So there you go. Everybody have a fantastic day. We'll be back bright and early tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. with more of the Morning Drive. The Edge is coming up next. Thanks for listening to the best of the Morning Drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.